This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week TV podcast. I'm back at Network 10 today talking about uh, drama and a little bit of reality TV. Our special guest, Rick Mayer, Network 10's head of drama, and he does a few other things too, don't you, Rick? few yes <laughs> so welcome to the media week podcast thank you i, I want to talk mainly about my life is murder but i also want to talk about master chef yep. um you're the sort of network you're the network executive producer on, on master chef yep. i'm watching both at the moment i watched the first episode of my life is murder yeah what do you uh, think this week i thought it was really good great actually yeah yeah, yeah good. no it's lovely tell all your friends <laughs> And I, and I like it. It's not overcomplicated. It's a relatively simple premise. Yeah. Um, tell us, um, this goes back, so we'll, we'll start with this and then we'll, we'll get to some, some of the other stuff you've done. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you look, after, you look after all of Tan's drama? Yes. Now oh, I work with Sarah Richardson, who uh, you've already done a podcast with. We did a great podcast uh, with Sarah Richardson. Uh, she was terrific and uh, she's got exclusive control of Neighbours uh, and she's uh, invaluable on all the other dramas as well. Yep. Okay. Great. Now, my life is murder, and I think this was first announced last year, wasn't it? Yep. How long had you sort of been thinking about this as a project before before it was announced? Quite a while. You're stretching the memory. <laughs> no. Uh, look, all dramas take roughly a year and a half from from commissioning to broadcast. You've got to write scripts. You've got to get financing. You've got to cast the show, produce the show, post produce the show. Wait for programming to have the right window. So they usually take a year and a half. Yeah. Now, this is being made by CJZ. Correct. Oh, CJZ. They don't like yeah. me to call it Z because that's American. They're Thank like, you. They're an Australian company. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's gone badly, James. <laughs> the, um, now, they make a bit of other stuff for you too, don't they? Yes, they make Mr Black, which is terrific. Uh, I'm excited by that. And um, over the years, many shows. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're big fans of this. Now, you, do you get pitched a lot of stuff? Yes, uh-huh. Uh, short answer, yes. Uh, we we probably every day a pitch, um, wow. some days five, uh, some weeks none. Um, there's no season for pitching. We're open 365 days of the year and we get a lot of stuff. Yeah. Do you have rules that you sort of judge all things on? Because you, it must be hard to sort of decide whether to go to the next step. The, the drama filter for me is to, is it a great idea? And then do, do the people pitching the great idea have the ability to execute? And you need both things. And if you've got that, then uh, certainly it's something we're interested in reading. And beyond that, when we take it to programming and we see if we can interest them, we see if it can be financed, see if it fits the schedule. Mm. So tr- track record is, is quite important, yeah? For the producer, uh, ability to execute. It's not just track record. Okay. But, you know, do you do you have the resources to make it? Can you attract the talent to make it properly? Um, because you can have a great idea and execute it badly, as you know, and it, it, it doesn't work for anyone. Do all dramas need some element of sort of um, government funding? Screen Australia. Yeah. 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 It's it's a very expensive business, and um, uh, we are very reliant on the state funding bodies, and obviously Screen Australia, who are just terrific partners. Does that extend the timeline out a bit? Having to go through that sort of process, or are they pretty not, good at turning on? Stuff? Not really. I mean, the production companies are very aware of Screen Australia and what their requirements are and when they need to apply. So, yeah. What were the things that interested you about My Life Is Murder? Uh, a couple of things. We're always looking eighteen months ahead, so we're looking at where the gaps in the market are. And uh, we had Five Bedrooms, I think, was commissioned at that point, which is a 
relationship drama, as you know, and uh, we were looking at something that was different than that and a police procedural, even though this is a very different one, is uh, different than a lot of stuff that's on air at the moment. Yeah. At what stage did Lucy Lawless come into the picture? That was uh, Claire Tonkin's idea, piece of genius. I thought it was... Uh, <laughs> she's at CJZ, right? She's the head of drama at CJZ, and that was very left field and brilliant and uh, it was a very easy sell. Was that? Did they come to you with that as part of the plan or was that added later? Uh, that was later, but, but we were certainly talking who would be the lead if we were going forward. Uh, but obviously Lucy is a brand unto herself and we were very excited to see what she would bring to this. Yeah. Is casting one of the sort of, I don't know, are you, all, you, all parts of your job are probably good, but is that one of the highlights of being able to, you know, work on a caster for a new series? Always fun. Yeah. It's great fun. Yeah. And challenging, you know. Yes, yeah. And you work pretty closely on that with um, the, the production house, I guess? Or? Yeah, so, um, you know, the producers are making the shows. We're not making them, so we're very respectful of that process and, and we're basically first audience, so we say this is what we think is first audience, uh, but we're mindful of the fact that they're making it for many viewers, not necessarily just in Australia. Mm-hmm. And in terms of, I mean, how... The ideal drama, they're shorter runs these days, aren't they, than the old days where you'd make, you know, 13 or 26? Tends tends to be, yeah. The last show we did 22 of was Wonderland. Um, Okay. But uh, just the way the market has moved, the financing and everything else, it's actually more cost-effective to make runs less than 13. Okay. Tends to be the case everywhere. Yeah. Does that mean the actual cost per hour is probably a little bit higher? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. But but the overall cost for that series is, is low. yes. And there's a <coughs> excuse me. There's a, a mini series requirement which affects the points you get uh, if it's long form, short form. So that that comes into the equation as well. It's quite complicated. I won't bore you with it. Yeah, you'd be happy, I guess, because you're a lot of the stuff you're doing, like five bedrooms, is getting some pretty good audiences. And the way 10 seems to be leading the field in the way it's measuring those audiences by, you know, calculating properly how many people view it over seven days, which is um, delivering you some good numbers. Yeah, and it's increasingly seven days, 28 days, staggering rights. Um, it's Paul Anderson's right. I, I think the other networks agree that some of these shows, there are immediate shows like News and Sport and the big reality shows, they're fairly immediate, but dramas for a long time have been bump and play and... Um, um, consumed differently, just yeah. the way it is. Yeah, the with the show, let's let's use this as an example. My life is murder, or maybe five bedrooms. How long would you like, ideally, to keep that on um, ten play for people to watch on catch up? As long as possible. Yeah, uh, we, we we had someone senior in here talk to me about uh, the night manager and how good the night manager was, and I said, but that was on air a year and a half ago, and that person had only just seen it. Um, and so the shelf life of these things is massive and mm. uh, if they're good uh, uh, interesting thing happened with Offspring in season 3 uh, you might remember Matlin Neves left and there was a big furor about him going um, we got a bump in the ratings we kept that bump in the ratings but what happened was people went back to series 1 and series 2 and we got a whole new audience so the shelf life of these things is fantastic yeah, yeah and so so in particular, if you've got them all there ready, that can help grow the audience for the current series if they if the word spreads and they go and yeah. binge on some older stuff and that'll get them more engaged in what's currently going out. Well, particularly with a thing like Five Bedrooms, which is you, you need to watch from the start, the word of mouth has been so positive. They've gone back to the start and they've caught up and now they're watching First Window and that's a point of pride when people in here say, 
I don't want to see it. I'm, I'm going home to watch it because they enjoy watching it off air, which is, you know, a rare thing. Yeah, yeah. With drama. It's still a thing, isn't it? I think a lot of people still like watching it, watching it go out sort of as live as it were. Yeah, Netflix um, did a, um, a poll of people a couple of years ago and they, and they asked them, would you like the series dropped as a whole or would you like them one a week? Okay. And not surprisingly, the under 40s said, just give it all to us and we'll decide. The over 40s went, we're, we're quite happy with one a week. <laughs> they like to anticipate, they like mm. to look forward, they like to process and they like to talk about it afterwards and look forward to it. And uh, I, I find myself, I'm over 40, slightly, that uh, if you... He laughed, James. Note that, please, James laughed. Uh, if you jam two or three apps together, you don't remember which app was which. You, you might enjoy it, but you don't delineate. And uh, so as a producer, you go, well, I'd really like them to pay attention to that episode. That was a really good app. Yeah, it's an interesting point that do, when you do binge, the... the um the events that happen in each episode tend to blur, don't they? And it is, it's probably harder to recall. It becomes one long movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah it does. It does. Yeah. A very long movie. Yeah, so uh, with uh, My Life is Murder, that won't happen because it's episodic. So you could play them out of order in theory, um, apart from one and the last episode, uh, because they're crime of the week. Uh, Lucy will solve the crime within 43 minutes, surprisingly, <laughs> just like House did, just like uh, Good Doctor does. And, um, but it's how she gets there. So it's a very satisfying meal. Yeah. Give me a little bit about the story in that first episode, and I don't think it's a spoiler because she's she's a retired um, officer, yeah. investigator. Yeah, we, we find out through the series that um, her husband uh, was also a cop and uh, he's now deceased and she's out of the game uh, and she's brought back in by Bernard Curry's character who says, you're the best in the business, we can't solve this case, we need you. Mm. And he teases her every episode uh, in a set up not unlike Mission Impossible where you get the brief at the start of each episode <laughs> and there's some tantalising hook there that makes her go bugger it I'll have a look and of course then her brain kicks into gear and she solves the crime. Sure. What was it like? To, did you have much to do with her and what, what was she like? I, I met her once. She's lovely. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So just just go back to the I think people would be interested in the process of, um, of, of of you working on a series. So you get that original pitch. Yeah. Um, you decide to take it to the next step. You sort out some funding. Yeah. Um, just take us through what happens. Well, look, every pitch is different. Um, you can you can sell a pitch from a photograph. You can sell a pitch from you know the most detailed bible. You can sell it from a comprehensive script. I, I'm a script guy, so I like to read the script. Um, so it's it, it's it tells you whether the writer's any good. It tells you whether the idea has merit. It tells you whether the audience are going to stick with it. So uh, I like to read a first episode. Um, beyond that, if you can see the scope of the series, then you know you're pretty right. Do you? Um do you like to be involved when they're filming and making the show? And no, to what extent? No. no. We, we get the hell out of the way because <laughs> they know what they're doing and we don't. So right. uh, we can wander around on set and say hello to people, but basically, no, we let the professionals do so what they're doing. So you might do that once and then let them get on with it or something? Would you yeah, if that. I mean, the, okay. read-through, the read-throughs are very important. You're there at the start of the series and the start of every block being shot because you're hearing mistakes in scripts and you're hearing things that could be done better and you're working with the writers and the producers at that point. And then we're very active in post-production when the show's assembled and they go, here you go, ready to broadcast. What do you think? And usually you go, terrific, don't change a thing, but sometimes that could be quicker, that could be better, that could be clearer, that needs ADR, that needs a wild line. Can you help? Is there... Um is there times when, I mean, 
when it's being filmed, do you get to see rushes or, yeah, or stuff? every day. Every day? So okay. uh, all the production send us rushes every day. We get call sheets every day, so we're aware where they are. We get um, DPRs every day, which is um, what happened the day before on the shoot, you know, whether they were successful. Uh, and the rushes are, pr- are pretty much a monitoring brief on performance and whether new directors are bumping into furniture or you're getting the coverage you want. Is that actually everything that's shot, or are they edited down a little bit? Because that would be quite a bit, wouldn't they? Everything that's shot, including the stuff before the clapper and after the clapper, where they might be rubbishing okay. somebody, <laughs> usually usually entertaining. Well, it must be a bit of a skill reviewing some of that stuff to work out, you know. Well, we, we, we jump through it. I mean, there's mm. hours and hours yeah. of it, so obviously on a show like that, yeah. uh, when you've got three dramas running at once, you've got to go through fairly fast. But again, the production companies are very good at what they do. The producers are great. The directors we book are terrific, and uh, we 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 hope we get great casts on everything. And, we, and we're very script sensitive, so we we know the material should be good going in. And I guess you've got to look pretty closely at the first stuff to make sure if there's anything you want to say, you've got to say your piece early early on, so it doesn't. Yeah, it's not yeah. a recurring. Yeah, the set the setup the setup director is the key director on any series because. Okay. All the actors are trying to find a level. Uh, the producer's trying to find a tone, um, or the producer has a tone in mind. So the set-off director is basically the confidence person there for that first block, saying this is what the show is, and that affects the cutting rhythm and everything else. So they're, they're key. What things do you... Um, is it all about ratings, if you consider you know, going again with a, with a series? Look, I, I could be disingenuous. It's, all, it's always about ratings yeah. um, because the best show in the world, if the audience aren't there, uh, I can't get confidence in you know, other people saying, yeah, let's go again and hope. So uh, you, you really need shows to hit the ground running. You need uh, a big audience base in Sydney and Melbourne and we hope the rest of Australia are watching and uh, we hope they're great catch-up numbers. We hope the word of mouth is good. All the uh, review and critique is critical. Um, never been more important that people talk about your show because there's so much content out there. Yeah. I, I was going to say, is it, um, is it sometimes hard to tell people, look, it's that's going to be it, there won't be any more, or, or are they all sort of realists and they understand how the, the industry works? And the audience? No, no, the, the people who make the show. Oh, I think, uh, well, you're in a bit of a bubble. Uh, yeah. Everything's <laughs> oh, yeah. fantastic. So, uh, of course, they'll reorder this show and... Yeah, so they, they would be astonished if it doesn't happen. Right, OK. So that's not, always not the easiest of conversations. Well I, well, I think it's important you're in that bubble when you're making a show that you believe it's great and okay. you believe the work is terrific and it should go on forever. Mm. It's important. Yeah. Neighbours believe that. It's year 35, so it's good <laughs> on them. You've, um, I mean, you've worked in uh, drama and television for a long time. Uh, you worked as a writer. Um, has that made you a bit more empathetic about how the process works and, and the way you deal with people? Yeah, oh, look, producers will disagree with this, but the <laughs> truth is when, you, when you've been on the receiving end of bad network notes for 20 years, you hope to God you're not the one writing them, sending them to producers, but I'm sure I'm guilty of it. I'm sure um, yeah, there are criticisms that will be level going on, you know, what would he know? Hmm. Uh, but, yeah, we are, we're very writer-focused. The, the ideas and the writers, they're the, they're the front-line people for us. Yeah. The... Um you mentioned criticism, the sort of reviews of, of TV briefly before. Can good reviews help a show? 
awareness and of... Can uh, bad uh, reviews uh, kill it? Or? Yeah, I don't think it's like it used to be, but certainly exposure is the most important thing. And I'll get a bad review, I'll still write to the journal and thank them for the coverage because <laughs> it's it's still mentioning the show. And, right. uh, you know, people are smart. They'll form their own opinion. If the promo is interesting to them, they'll go, oh, I'll give that a go, I'll have a look at that. Uh, so I, I don't think it's like it used to be where a bad review could... You know, a bad review can certainly kill a restaurant, I know that. Mm. Uh, but I think uh, people are a bit more discerning with TV. Yes, because there's some people I've spoken to in the past, they sort of tend to think that a bad review can almost do more do more positively for a show than a, than yeah, a good review because yeah. some people think, oh, it, you know, it gets a bit of notoriety around yeah. But it's a risky strategy, I guess. Yeah, t- tell them they're dreaming. Yeah, no, you, you always want a good review. You, you want people saying, you know, get out there and watch this. This is really worth 43 minutes of your time because it's an investment by people and you want them to be rewarded. Mm. Does, um, does different genres of drama go in cycles? I mean, there was, you know, a few years ago where everybody was mad for crime and, um, you yeah. know, gangsters and all this sort of stuff and then it, it, it fell away. Um, does that happen? If there's one hit show, lots of people think, oh, OK, we might milk this and then it'll yeah. public will get a bit tired and move on. I'd like to think we don't, but, uh, yes, it certainly happens. And, and, yes, it's very cyclical and there are trends in TV and you go back 7, 14, 21 years and you'll see the trend quite clearly. So we're always thinking not what's on air now but what's on air in 18 months. And it's not just drama, it's all programming. You, you're trying to think, well, what's next? Um, Ninja is a very good example of what's next. It came out of nowhere. MasterChef, very good example of what's next, came out of nowhere. And uh, Lego came out of nowhere. So these things that uh, swim against the tide, I think uh, they've got the best chance of popping. Yeah. Also the best chance of failing. Yeah. But, of course, it doesn't mean a uh, Lego Me Too is going to do any good, though, does it? No. Uh, And, you know, you saw what happened with Ninja and... um, Mm. Uh, and we have a spectacular track record of failure if we try and copy anything that anyone else has done. So uh, by, by virtue of that, we've always had to be first to market. Sure. So we've got shows like Taboo, which uh, are completely different than anything on TV, which we're very proud of. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, the What do you like most? What do you think audiences will warm to most about My Life is Murder? Uh, I don't know about the Lucy factor. I'm hoping that there's a great uh, curiosity about Lucy. She's a terrific actor. She's great. Uh, it's a warm uh, procedural in the sense that there are jokes in it. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It's got a hell of a guest cast. Uh, we've got mm. the best actors in the country running through each episode, uh, and um, they've all had a lot of fun. They've, they've come to play. Yeah. And, uh, it's evident in what you see. Ten films a lot of its drama in Melbourne... This is true. I don't know what the percentage would be. It would be pretty high, wouldn't it? Yeah. The, um, any reason for that? Is that just the creatives are there or the...? Uh, no, no. The creatives are in Sydney and Melbourne and uh, Sod's Law in TV is as soon as you move, the work goes into the other state. Uh, Secret She Keeps, which is in production at the moment, is in Sydney. But, yes, we do a lot in Melbourne. Um, sometimes financing, sometimes audience reach. Um, uh, other networks do pretty much the same. Yeah, because the Melbourne audiences. I don't know, how would you say it? Do they they tend to warm to Australian productions more, maybe than than yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe I and think they're bigger TV audiences, I guess. Yeah, they're bigger, and and possibly it's a cultural thing going back to Hector's days because the Crawford dramas were the quality dramas, the Grundy dramas were the quick and easy dramas, which were perceived to be Melbourne versus Sydney, um, but certainly not from a creative point of view. The creatives are just as much in Sydney. The directors are up here. The writers are up here. Okay, heads of department are up here. 
Okay, so my life is murder, so that that's going to air now. Yep. Does that mean you're probably looking at things now for for maybe 2021? Yeah, uh, so we have a, <clears throat> a series of Playing for Keeps in production now, Series 2. We have the miniseries The Secret She Keeps. Unfortunately, it's got keeps in the title, but that's <laughs> going to be... That's a Michael Robotham bestseller, which is terrific. Yeah. That's uh, uh, in production at the moment. Um, and uh, My Life is Murders going out because Five Bedrooms is on air at the moment. Yeah. And, and, and Neighbours Five Nights a Week. Yeah, and but you'll have other things you're considering or in the initial stages of commissioning for... For next year and maybe the year after. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, which I can't tell you. About. No, of course. <laughs> but, but also, James, there's, um, <clears throat> as you say, with trends, you know, we're looking at some resurgence in um, scripted comedy at the moment. Certainly, okay, yep. uh, Pete Hellier's show, uh, How to Stay Married, uh, Mr. Black, those sort of things, uh, some of the scripted material in Kinney, those things we're really interested in, we're watching very closely. Are, are they under you, those th- you've no, just mentioned um, Paul Leiden, head of comedy. Okay, okay yeah, yeah. Well, they've done quite well, I think, though, haven't they? Yeah, and again, that's not first window necessarily. And you look at a seven-day number or a twenty-eight-day number, and they're terrific figures. Um, sure. Uh, so, yeah, the long game. Yeah, um, and it's interesting. Some of those shows screen a little later in the night. Yeah, which is good, isn't it? Because there's people blame maybe um, streaming services for people leaving network TV maybe around 9 o'clock or something but if you can have something good that goes a little bit later that's that's good for the channel Yeah I think so, well I, two of our most successful brands are Have You Been Paying Attention and Gogglebox and they both start around about 8.45 and, and uh, they're segmented shows in that you can watch for five minutes or you can watch the whole thing because they're so good you tend to watch the whole thing uh, you, it, it's much harder for drama live because you know it's a, an hour commitment. You're not going to watch five minutes unless it's truly dreadful, um, <laughs> which is always the case. Um, but uh, so those sort of things actually tend to work better late at night. And a half-hour sitcom, you know what you're in for, yeah, easy in and out. And the other, the good thing about on demand, I guess, is that some you know if you're not interested in the show before a drama you know you can watch it on demand at the time you want. Yep. You haven't got to juggle your, your schedule to, to be there, which has been a criticism, hasn't it, in the past of, of people that, oh, look, it's, it yep. moves around this show one night, it's 10 to 9, the next week it's 10 past 9. That's right. Well, the reality franchises are, are blowing out. Um, look at The Voice last night. It was, I don't know, two and a half hours or two, two and a quarter hours. Uh, MKR runs long. We try and keep MasterChef relatively tight, but it's more than an hour, so... Uh, that tends to be the pattern at the moment. Yeah. You've given me a nice segue there, Rick, to, Thank um, you. to ask you about uh, MasterChef. Yeah. Um, this season seems a cracker. Thank I you. mean, it's just it's really good. We've got, I think we've still got the top ten as I'm talking to you, haven't we? Have, haven't had an elimination from the top ten, I don't think. Vita's nodding, yes. That's, that's, that's probably imminent. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you've this was f- finished filming earlier this year. Right. Yeah, we finished around about April. It's in okay. post-production forever. It's still in post. Yep. And uh, the, basically the turnaround between the end of post and the end of broadcast and the start of the casting tour is roughly three weeks. So it's a, it's a big machine. And the uh, it's probably the best TV I'll, I'll ever get to work on. It's, um, it's, it's incredibly well-resourced. It's um, brilliant heads of department. They come back every year because they love the show. Um, and Marty Benson and his team at Endemol Shine, they just do a phenomenal job. It's a great pleasure to work on. I mean, we're sitting in your office as we record this, and up on your board you've got a big um, 
all uh, headshots of all, I think that's the, the final 24. Yep with little stickers and notes, which probably mean something to you yeah. about their progress. So is it hard for you to sometimes realise where you are live as opposed to, you know, the, the production that's overall? Just a bit, yeah. <laughs> well, because we're in the edit suite in, in yeah. the morning looking at an episode that will not go to air for weeks. We're mm. watching something off air that was shot ages ago. Sometimes when it's in production, I'm also in studio. And uh, so there's a lot of time frames. But the same with drama. You, you're often working in different time frames on the same piece of work, so... You get used to that. Working on a reality program, are you involved any more or less in the in the in the production on the way through? No, it's the same. I'm, I'm in studio, not not that often. Largely, it's uh, um, just how is everyone going? Everyone happy? Uh, but very involved in post production because these shows are made in post production. I mean, they're, they're very cleverly planned and very brilliantly shot. But uh, a lot of it is the manufacturing in post, which Endemol um, Shine are so good at. Uh, and so I'm very involved there, and I'm involved in the casting up front. One of the differences for me for this season is there's less master classes on Thursday night. I think it's probably only been one. Uh, we've, we've, so got f- we've got we've five got five in the run, okay. and, we've, and I think we've done that now for the last few years. I don't. Okay. I don't it's not. So yet it has this been. Year. It has declined a little bit. Yeah, we used to do one a week, and okay. then, so that was quite a few years ago now. Yeah, partly because I guess you've got other things that do well on Thursday nights now too. So. Uh, partly, yes. Um, partly, it's it's an elite, or more elite audience. Sorry, with masterclass okay. because there's no elimination, there's no big music. It's basically just great cooking sure. uh, and uh, enjoyment of that. There's now a lot since MasterChef started. There's now a lot of food on TV. Yeah, there's a lot of clean air when it started. <laughs> is is MasterChef? Do you do anything else apart from MasterChef that's non-drama? Do I? Yes. Uh, I'm involved in a lot of other shows, but no, not to, not not to, to the that extent, extent of, no. of um, MasterChef. No. There was less, less Heston Blumenthal this year, unless he makes a second appearance. A question <laughs> or a statement, James? <laughs> yeah. Probably a question. Because uh, there's been Heston weeks in the past, hasn't Yeah, they? yeah. Look, it's always down to his availability. It's, Which it's must down be hard, to right? all their availability. So these guys are rock stars. So yeah. if you get them, you get them. And, yeah. Uh, you, uh, they're expensive to bring out. They're not. They're not cheap. And um, when you get them, it's great. Mm. Mm. The because um, it must. I mean, Prince Charles cost a fortune. <laughs> you haven't had a member of the royal family. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Oh, okay. No, watch. <laughs> Keep watching. <laughs> the um, what was I? Yeah, I've lost my train of thought there. The um, yeah. So the chefs on the rungs below the the superstars. Yes. It's um. It's probably as important for them as it is for you, for them to be on that show, because that really does lift their profile, doesn't it? Oh, I, I would think so. I'd, I'd hate to think how much the snow egg had actually turned around in as a result for Peter Gilmore. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, the exposure is invaluable, and, of course, you're talking 140 territories, and um, I, I think, I don't know this figure's right, but Star TV in India has a reach of 9 million people. Mm. And so when um, we had a prison officer last year, one MasterChef... Uh, he's, he's now a rock star and uh, interestingly last week we were all surprised a couple of weeks ago we had a dumpling challenge and there was a dumpling hack on how to eat a dumpling and everyone in the world thought they knew how but apparently we've all been doing it wrong and it's now Vita will tell me 55 million shares on Facebook and that's wow. that's international it's not just here so obviously so people have gone oh that's how you eat a dumpling and it's gone around the world so 
I've it, it, it has a massive reach, that show. I'll have to start counting those views in the ratings, <laughs> I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. well. Yeah. It would uh, make a significant It's very difference. successful, and, and that's where we're very proud. This is the Australian version. It's not the format. It's no. MasterChef Australia is sold everywhere, and it's... It's very popular. Yeah, and it's pretty much where this version of MasterChef started. I mean, it's and then it was exported, wasn't it? They, yeah, they it developed, was, they modified the existing. And um, it's some very clever work by um, the guys at Endemol Shine when they actually took the British format. Mm. It was it was first execution was British, uh, or maybe it was French. Uh, but then they saw the potential for prime time, and they did what they do so well, and they turbocharged it, and we got the show we got. Sure. Um, are there other little tweaks this year that you've that have, have worked well? Do you think have you done much to it? Uh, yeah. Look, it's we always say it's a bit like the football season. You don't you don't change the size of the goalposts. You don't move them. You don't do anything like that. You just celebrate the fact your team's coming back and it's going to be another contest. Uh, but that said, yes, they are constantly working on the show. The challenges change. Um, the intensity changes. The level of cooking improves. So you the entry level now is much higher. Uh, the people that turn up are much better cooks before they start, before they set foot in the kitchen. Yeah, I mean, the cooking does seem particularly good this year, but then you often think that, don't you, each year, but it does seem to step up a level. Well, you notice it particularly in the immunity challenges when the uh, the professional chefs come into a foreign kitchen and they're a bit lost. They go, Where is everything? How does it work? What do you mean there's time pressure? What do you mean I can't find that? Uh, so it's it's amazing what they can do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I better not ask you about any tips for what happens because you obviously know, and that could be a bit awkward, couldn't it? The um, one thing I might ask you is: there's, I mean, one of your top ten was was um, sensationally eliminated earlier on in the season, and he's he's come back. I think that's Tim, isn't it? Yeah. Um, has anyone ever won Master Chef who was eliminated during the process and come back to the show? Oh God, I've got, I've got a feeling they haven't. But no, I, d- I don't think so. But interestingly, when they come back. Um they have great awareness of what the sh- what's involved mm. uh, and when they're out they go, gee, if only, if only, if only. So if they do get back in, they really make a meal of it. They really do well. Mm. Obviously winning is, is very important, but, but for a generally a, a career in food, it's a little bit like I think a Australian Idol used to be. Just the fact that you got that far yeah. and were pretty good can have a significant effect on your career, whether you finish number one or number four or number five. Yeah, that's right. Some of the best success stories are non-winners. They're mm-hmm. people that have done very well, um, and I'm, I'm not going to list them all here, but no. um, NML Shine quote a figure of 80% of the contestants. Wow. So if you get an apron, uh, 80% of those people tend to go onto the food industry in some capacity. And, and one of the great joys is when you do the casting tour, you're in Adelaide, you're in a, a professional kitchen that's been set up by Callum from year two, uh, his dream was to set up a cooking school, which he did, called Sprout, and that's where we do the audience testing in Adelaide. And, and uh, yeah, there's success stories like that all over the place where they've gone out and done brilliantly creative things, not just open restaurants, but other things as well. Sure, sure. The um, So you go on the casting tour? Yeah. Now, that must be fun. The, you see a lot of people, though. But that, that probably doesn't happen long after the... Um Series finishes, is that no, right? No, no, it's very quick. <laughs> it's very quick. So um, the casting producers have been working by now for about six months <clears throat> and um, the casting call is open and then those people... Uh, I won't go through the whole process. Sure. It's incredibly elaborate. Um, but um, 
to get invited to the judges' auditions, which is usually about a top 50, is a very big deal. And most people are very good cooks by the mm-hmm. time they've got to that point. Uh, and then the judges choose the top 24, and then that's the show that you recognise. Yeah. The, um, this year, I think more than ever, you've probably used former um, champions, former, you know... Mentors. Top, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a, during this season. Is that, yeah. is that something you'd like to continue? Yeah. Uh, I think so, yeah. Uh, but whether it's drama or whether it's reality, I think the, the audience have a fondness for people that they've been on the journey with in the... You know, I use the journey word. Uh, they've been with before, and uh, particularly people like Matt Sinclair and Poe and Billy, you know, they they feel they know them quite well and they love to see them back and see how they've progressed. And they've also got great media skills now because the, the process of doing MasterChef gives you fantastic media training. Mm. The, um, I think a lot of the former seasons are available on your catch-up service, um, either it's 10 Play or the, yeah, or 10 All Access, where you've that's the subscription one, so they're there. Yeah. Do you is there that gets some traffic? Do you do you see those numbers? Is there sort of yeah, people interested in the old stuff? Yeah, they're huge, and uh, the contestants look at them as well when they when they're in the house. They uh, look at okay. previous seasons. They go, right. oh, okay, that's an interesting idea. Uh, that's an interesting challenge. I wonder if that's coming. So, yeah, they're always thinking. The um, people seem... You, you don't dwell a lot on what happens in the house um, as, as part of the show, which I think is a good thing. It's just, yeah. just used there as a, as a backdrop. Yeah. It's briefly there at the start of most episodes. Yeah. But the people seem to actually study their what they want to be their trade or career while they're... While they're not at, not in the MasterChef kitchen, they seem to be yeah. reading cookbooks and maybe experimenting in the kitchen back in the house. It, it, look, it's a hot house. It, it's mm. uh, we call it the bubble. is absolutely a hot house. So they're with like-minded people, twenty-four like-minded people, all with a passion for food, all with a passion for cooking, all bringing different things to the table, and they learn from each other like you wouldn't believe. And their conversations, twenty-four hours a day, are about food. And so the accelerated rate of growth that you see in the program, largely caused by that. Uh, and plus the mentoring, plus the guest chefs, plus everything else. So, um, and they come out firm friends, mm. MasterChef family. <laughs> I, I don't know if you want to comment on this, but you might have noticed that another cooking program on TV has recently got a bit of publicity about a house they're going to have in their, their next season. Yep. So, um, so, I don't know what would my question be <laughs> if you noticed that. <laughs> sorry, sorry, you're dropping out, James. <laughs> Yeah, so there could be some similarities, perhaps, or maybe they'll use it as a as a as a point of difference. Uh, just just on your point though about house reality, which yes. is a standard thing in reality shows. Oh, look what they're doing, and he's getting on with her, and you know yeah, yeah. she doesn't like that one. What, this is the antichrist to that. We don't do any of that stuff. This is um, I think if there's one word about the casting that we we stand by, it's the authentic nature of these people. They are genuine people. And um, some slip through the cracks, but very few, and we pride ourselves on that. And so that house reality would actually not be that interesting because they're not there to have conflict. They're not there to throw things and have tantrums. They're actually there to do their job. And um, I think that's a large part of the success of the show. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a good point you raise, and I think it's why so many people feel feel good after watching an episode of MasterChef. There's a real camaraderie yeah. bet- between the cast. Um, I mean, p- some people say to, pe- to shows that sort of develop conflict, is it scripted? And they always say no, but I've got to ask you then, I guess, is, is getting on scripted, you know what I mean? Are they, are they all really that good, good of friends with each other? So in the casting process on MasterChef? No, no, when, you're, when they're making the series, everybody seems to be getting on very well. I mean, 
is that encouraged or does that just naturally happen because they all sort of have a common purpose of... Yeah. Um, Ava Gardner said, once you fake sincerity, the rest is easy. <laughs> but, but truthfully, when you watch someone leave the kitchen, uh, those tears are genuine. You know? mm. uh, they're not that good at acting, those people. They are... Yeah, it's sincere. Yeah. And they're very sad. And it's maybe it's a bit of Stockholm Syndrome, maybe it's a bit of the fact that they've been on this fantastic ride together. But they're a very tight bunch and they are every single year. Before I let you get back to your, your job, I've probably got a pile of pictures on your desk that you're going through today. Um, give me something about the, the judges, because that's one of the real successes, I guess, of, of this franchise, isn't it, MasterChef? Yeah, um, they're brilliant. Mm. Mm. As simple as that. They're brilliant <laughs> and uh, they've, um, they love the show. Yeah. I guess they just turn up and go. You need very little instruction and stuff um, like that. Or? Yeah, and they have strong opinions, which is really important for the production and so that they feed that back through the producers. I mean, they, their credibility is very important. Yes. It's important to us. It's important to Animal Shine. Yeah. Well, fantastic. All right, look, that's great. Look, thank you for that. Some some insights there into My Life is Murder, 10's new Aussie drama. Yep. Um, coming very soon to Network 10. MasterChef's currently running now as we record this. Yep. And that, um, now the final 10, we've probably only got a, I don't know, two or three weeks left, I'm guessing. Yeah, three weeks. Yep, okay. Because your final, your final, what, the final episode has three left, I think, from memory. Every well, year. that's, that's you're not supposed to know that. How do you know that? Well, that's was a fan. That's what usually happens, isn't yeah. it? No, well, well, no not always, but, it's, no, but, okay. it is, but it is three. Okay. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, that's a scoop. There you go. All right. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's um, it's mind-blowing what they do. Uh, yeah. Uh, if, uh, if you're a lapse viewer or an occasional viewer, you definitely watch the finale. Yeah, well, fantastic. I think the this season we they haven't been to WA yet. They go to WA this year. That's coming, they? and we've yes. seen all that stuff, and it's unbelievable. And uh, WA tourism were fantastic, and the places they go, and the pictures we get, uh, the quality of the food, just brilliant. So, and same with Queensland, they were fantastic. Um, and we hadn't been to Queensland before, um, but you know, when when we take the show on the road, it's a very big deal. It's a small army travelling, um, and um, it's. WA is fantastic. Uh, you haven't been out of Australia for a while, have you, on the, the show? Where was the last one? Japan, I think? Or was, was it? San Francisco, yeah. Okay, yeah, San Francisco, I think it might have been. Yeah. 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 All right, yep. well, maybe you'll oh, that's, that for next year. That's a year-by-year year proposition. Yeah. We, never, we never know until um, that the deal's Do you get to place. do the international trip if you... I do, I do them if I can, yeah. It'd be great I'm, to do I'm, a podcast if you do yeah. one next year, mate. <laughs> I'm not stupid. I'll carry a bag. <laughs> All right, look, Rick Mayer, great to talk to you, mate. Thanks for your time. Pleasure, James. Nice to see you.